We're starting a new Chumash! Chumash Shavayim, here we go! Okay? What? I couldn't do the la 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 because I'm so tired. Oh. And you're also like super Ashkenazi, I'm going to do it anyway, so. Yeah? Oh, okay. Excellent. Okay. Some, ladies. Okay. Ladies, let's do, let's learn a little bit of Torah. We're actually, to no fault of my own, we are very short on time right now. Okay. Um, so here we are. A, we're opening up a new book. Very, very, very exciting. And we're opening a new book. Book number five, Chomish Devar. Okay, Chomish Devar, we're opening up. And um, also Shabbos is Tisha so That's like, eh. We're going to get to spend it together, which is very nice. We're appreciating that. That's going to be great. And by the way, I just want to put out there that this is actually the way to spend Tisha B'Av. Is it? All together? Together. We're going to be eating and drinking and sharing no. Tisha <laughs> Shabbos, we will be. Shabbos is Tisha B'Av. Shabbos is actually Tisha B'Av. And that, if you know, that's how we like to do Tisha B'Av. So, like, bring on the gaula. We could do this. We're just not interested in the whole fasting morning situation. That would be nice. We could, it, it could happen. Like, why not? You know. I'm my first Shabbos with my Nice. So, so first of all, I do want to point out that yes, Shabbos is Tisha B'av, and really, yes, that's kind of how we like to do Tisha B'av. That's that's what our default really is. Our default is for celebration and for being together and for sharing the Torah. So, please, God. It should stop at that point. And then when Shabbos is over, we shouldn't have to go into morning mode. And that would be very nice. And we're, I'm sure everybody would be on board with that. And we'll figure out the animal sacrifice for everybody who bothers. And we'll figure it out afterwards. We'll buy a chicken. Um, we'll split the money. <laughs> whatever. We'll figure it out afterwards. We'll figure it out. But, like, really, really, that's what bring it on. We're, re- we're ready for, we're ready for, like, oh, Bailey's, like, collecting all the passwords saying nobody's leaving anymore. But uh, this would also... So I don't have to return on the eagle, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be... If you think Elal is uncomfortable, you should see the eagles where the eagles. <laughs> I've seen pictures in my head. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to say a couple of things. First of all... Um, the book that we're starting is called Devarim, and the Parsha that we have is called Devarim. Okay, so we have the book and the, and the first Parsha have the same name. And um, Devarim is different than all the other, the other Chumashim that we have. Um, remind me if I don't go back to Tisha B'av, remind me to get back to that. Okay. Um, so why is, the, why, is, why is Chumash Devarim different? So the first thing is, um, is that the first four, the first four books are narrated by, there's no narrator. And God said to Moses, and Moses said to the Jewish people, who's telling the story? Okay, right? There's, the third, there's, there's, no, there's an anonymous third person narrator. We don't have somebody saying, we're going to hear, and God said, this is the story of the Jewish people. Here's creation, and here's Moses, and welcome all the players. We just have the story being told. In Chumash Devarim, we have Moshe telling us, and I said, and we did, and we went, and it's very much, it switches into first-person narrative. And one of the things that the, the sages tell us is that Moshe, and let's see if we could understand this a little bit, Moshe said Chumash Devarim on his own. Now, before you ask me questions, I'm going to add to the question, right? Um, if we know that all, Torah is like, like it, you don't make up Torah. Like, how does that work? that Moshe says Torah on his own, whatever that means. And also, Nachmanides Ramban actually tells us in the, in the introduction 
to Chumash Bereshis, he tells us that all of Torah, that entire string of letters from Bereshis to Le'enei Kal Yisrael existed before creation. And in every single different one of the worlds, we have that same string of letters broken up differently. So we know, like, if you, could, if you would re-divide the letters, you would get different words and different stories. And the Torah that we have here, with the division of the letters that we have here, is the, is the Torah that's, the Torah in this breakup that speaks to us in this world, in the, in the, in the world of Asiya, the world of action. This is the world, this is, so if, if the Ramban is telling us that all these letters existed beforehand, then what does it mean that Moshe says it on his own, okay? The other thing, which is, uh, which is, okay, we'll, we'll get into the, we'll get into the second. So one, it, it, by the way, there are some halachic differences. Uh, so for example, in the first four books of Torah, there's, we don't actually ask the question, why is this next to this? Because it's the first four books, Moshe was like a channel, God said write, and he wrote, and so it's God's, it's God's idea, this should be next to this. But in the fifth book, we could say, why is this next to this? Because there's some kind of human element in that book. Now, it's unlike you know, biblical criticism that says there's a different author and there's a different thing and those are different voices. Um, so the Chachamim want to understand what does it mean when it says that Moshe said it all by, said it on his own. So I guess my first question to you is, has anybody ever seen an old couple that's been married for a very long time tell yeah. a story of their, so that happened to them? Not always. Sometimes it's not so cute, but but when it's cute, but when it's cute, how does it happen? It's just they can each other's sentences. They can play each other's sentences. They're like they've, they've told the story so many times. They know the story. They know where they remember it, and then they start. Then even the fights. No, we didn't stop there. We stopped over there. All those things are still part of the thing. And one of the things that the sages tell us about Moshe and Hashem is that they were involved in a relationship to such a degree. That, so to speak, Moshe was finishing God's sentences. And the expression that they use is, Shechina midaveret mitoch gron shal Moshe. That the, the, huh? Oh, man, you're going to ask me to spell in Hebrew? Yeah. Fine. You can write it in Hebrew. I know. Or you can use my translation or the transliteration. Um, let me just repeat. Let me first repeat it, okay? The Shechina midaveret mitoch gron shal Moshe. That the Shechina, God's voice, was speaking through Moshe's throat. Okay, that means that when Moshe was talking and when Moshe was telling the, whatever he was going to tell the Jewish people, which we're going to discuss in a second, um, he was really in such a deep relationship with Hashem that they were sharing the same thoughts and they were sharing the same words. And that's why Nachmanides says that the letters existed, all, that whole string is there. He didn't create anything new, but he was, so then we're going to have to ask ourselves, well, so then why do we need Moshe to say things from his own? Why do you motion to add on his, why do we need motion to have this, this, this place on his own? Which we're going to get to. And if I don't get to, make sure I get back to it. Um, another thing that I want to point out, that the Chumash is going to, oh, question. Aaron spoke for Moshe, so then was he involved in any way in this? He's not alive anymore at this no, point. No, I know. What I'm saying is this, you're saying that they, I know that Aaron spoke for Moshe. That stopped once they carried on, like... Aaron spoke for Moshe when they went to the Pharaoh. Is that it? That's the That's only it. time? Oh, fine, okay. Yeah. When it says that Aaron was his spokesperson, that was to the Pharaoh. Amber. I've got another question. If I'm correct, Moshe dies like before like all the books finish, then how could he have written that this he dies. book? Okay, so I want to say something. Like, if he knows, like, cause, like after he's dead, there's more stuff. 
Right. So the truth is, it's only it's, it's actually only a question on the last eight verses of the of this chumash, okay? And there's as many opinions as you could possibly as you could possibly think from. You know, one commentary says that he just wrote the letters and didn't know what he was writing. One said he wrote it through his tears. One says God finished it. There's all different kinds of situation going on over there. But um, uh, one of the things that we, we spoke about, no, we didn't speak about. I'm forgetting who I said what to. I'm really sorry. Um, um, Moshe starts telling the story. If you take a look over here, the beginning of the beginning of Chumash for a second, skip the first verse. Um, I go to verse. Go to verse three. It's Vayhi, right? Chapter one, verse three. Vayhi bar Baim shana. It was in the fortieth year. Ba'ashte aser chodesh in the eleventh month. Be'echad la chodesh on the first of the month. Diber Moshe el bnei el Moshe spoke to the Jewish people. Kachol asher tiva tiva Hashem otol alehim. Everything that Hashem said about them. So in Jew, in the Jewish calendar, which is the eleventh month? Nope. 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 Yeah, okay, so here's the thing. Tishrei is the seventh month. Tishrei is the seventh month. In the Chomish, Nisan is month number one. The months don't have names in the Chomish. They have numbers. Nisan is month number one. So month number 11, what is the month right before Nisan? What comes right before Pesach? Which Stick with me later. So, Adar. Huh? Adar is month... Adar is month 12. Adar is month... What's it? Yellow, yellow. That's what I asked. I asked. Adar is month 12. So which is month 11? <laughs> huh? Cheshvan, Kislev, Teves, Shvat. Shvat. The month of Shvat is month number 11. So Moshe starts speaking on the first day of the month of Shvat, and he passes away on the seventh month of... Sorry. On the seventh day in the month of Adar. Okay? So in the conversation, we've spoken about this, I think, with other Chumashim. How long of a span does this book cover? Chumash Devarim covers max 37 days. Assuming, assuming, that there's, assuming that there's 30 days in the month of Shabbat, 7 days in the month of Adar, the max that we have for this book is that it takes Moses 30 day, 37 days to say this whole thing. Now, one of the things that's very interesting about the Jews in the desert is we don't actually have a lot of information about them. So we don't know. We have like Balagan in the beginning. We have Balagan at the end, right? But the middle, we don't really know. We don't know what, was, what did the day look like? How often was Moses available? What was going on? What there, you know, how often he taught, came out. But what we do know is the last 37 days of his life, there was a massive, massive vibranium going on where Moshe was telling the Jewish people everything. Moshe stays a leader till the, till the, till the end of his life. And what, the, what he wants to make sure is that they go into the land of Israel prepped, that they're going to not mess this up, that they're going to do this well. And in order to make sure that happens, he's going to A, go over some of the stuff that they messed up on. Because, you know, if you don't, if you don't, got it, got it. Not that it didn't get corrected when the, when the problems happened, but he wants to remind the Jewish people of what our fatal flaws are. Okay, so he's going, to get, he's going to go over some of the history. He's going to tell them some of the mistakes that they've made, what they could have done differently. He's going to review a lot of the laws. And there are certain laws that we're going to get here for the first time ever. So Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokein Hashem Achad, we're going to get for the first time in the book of Devarim. It what? 
It's, yeah, but I'm saying the, the verse of Shema and via Hafta, we didn't have it anyplace else. And you could actually say it wasn't necessary before. When you're living in the desert and you have revelation all around you, you don't have to be reminded to remember God because you're going to die if you don't remember God. The food you eat, the water you're drinking, everything around you is, is reminding you of God. You don't have to be reminded to remember Hashem. So there's a lot of, this is really where he's going with this, kind of with this, the whole 37 day for bringing. And again, these are the words that were written down. These are not all the words that were said. We know the Torah is only, we only have the things in the Torah that are going to be relevant for all times, for all generations. So the, the general overview of this book, first of all, the, we know that it has another book. We call it the book Devarim. What's the English name? Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Yeah. And what's it called in the Talmud? No, things would be the translation of Devarim, but it's called Mishnah Torah, the repetition of the Torah. And Deuteronomy actually means the repetition of the law, right? Duo is two, it's the repetition of the law. So Moshe, the whole, there's something about Devarim that is going to be a repetition and a restatement of a lot of things that happened. And a lot of things that we're going to want to learn about, we're going to have to match how we had the story the first time, and how does Moshe repeat the story? Because the full picture is going to be when you put the two pieces together. So, for example, in our Parsha, one of the things that Moshe talks about at great length is the story of the spies. And, and the story that he gives us here of the spies is totally, well, okay, maybe not totally different, but very, very different than how we have it in, in Parsha Shlach. When we first hear about it in Parsha Shlach, Hashem says to Moshe, send spies, blah, blah, blah. And then we have a whole debacle with the spies, right? Here we have Moshe telling us that um, it's going to start, I think, in the second Aliyah. We're jumping around a little bit. I just want to explain. Nope, not second. The second Aliyah, Moshe asks for, even if you can look at the second Aliyah. If you take a look at the second Aliyah, we have where Hashem's, Moshe's telling them that I told Hashem that I can't, I can't carry these people by myself. How can I carry them so much by myself? All well, their troubles and their things. And so they, he says, we're going to start bringing wise people, people who know, who are known to their tribes, and they're going to set up a whole court system, and they're going to set up a whole, set up, oh my, I'm going to make like a whole hierarchy. Hierarchy, thank you. Of who do you go to? Who's in charge? Go to here, like like a like a court system. The lower courts, and then it goes higher and higher and higher. Anybody remember who actually gave that idea? Yisro. 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 Moshe's father-in-law comes to the desert, sees them all standing around. He's like, "Dude, this is not going to work. You need to come up with a better situation." So Moshe does. But here, Yisro's not Yisro's not messing. Thank you. Yisro's not mentioned at all here. It's kind of like, I came to Hashem and I said, I can't do this. And we have a whole different thing. And one of the things that they, that they talk about is the idea that Yisro and Moshe were coming to this situation from very, very, very different angles. And therefore, what their requirements were, why they were saying to do this, that did not make sense in the English. That was actually not a correct English sentence. Um, they're coming from different angles and therefore... Moshe saying here, this is what I, this is why I saw the need for it. So yes, the fact is that Yisro did give the idea originally, but Yisro was looking at it very much as a, an organizational thing, like the time. It's not fair to the Jewish people, and so Yisro was looking for uh, people who could not be bribed and smart people and all this kind of stuff. And Moshe saying, and, and Yisro says to Moshe, you appoint the people to be the judges. And Moshe is really looking for people who are going to be leaders of the people. So that's why he says, you 
look from amongst yourselves and you appoint people, meaning who are the people that you're going to listen to? If I just plop somebody on top and say, this is your, the person you need to listen to, like, that's not going to fly. Like, if you need somebody to judge and to know the laws and whatever, that's one thing. But Moshe's looking for somebody who's going to help lead the people, not just be a judge. Yes, be a judge, but not only be a judge. So the, 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 you hear what I'm saying? Like, there's different parts that get brought up and that get highlighted, and we're gonna, we have to put the pieces together. So back to the spies for a second, because that's really where Moshe spends a lot of time over here. Um, uh, so the third Aliyah starts about that, that you all came to me, and you said that we have to go. They, it starts that they were at the, they had gone 11 days. They traveled from Sinai. They were close to the, the land of Canaan which is the official name for Eretz Yisrael before the Jewish people come. It's the land of Canaan. And he says, go tell, send people and, and go. So the story that Moshe is giving us now is, sounds much more chaotic. He's not saying, Hashem said, send spies, take out the land, da-da-da. Here's like, guys, you came, it was a balagan. Rashi says, you came like, you came like in this, Balagan is a good word. I mean, there's no word, there's no good English word for Balagan, but like you all came, huh? Crazy. But it's not crazy. Maybe it's chaos, but it's like, like Balagan, it sounds exactly what it is. Like Balagan is exactly what it is, right? You didn't come organized. It wasn't a well thought out plan. It was just like hysteria, like mass hysteria coming over here and, 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 and Moshe says, and, and when Moshe's going to go over the story, he's going to spend a lot of time going over the story of the spies. Um, and he's going to talk about, like, where was the trust? Where was the trust? You guys lived through a year of plagues. You lived through the splitting of the sea. You lived through Revelation at Sinai. God says, I'm going to take you to a beautiful land. And you're like, eh, I'm not so sure about that. Like, really? So Moshe said, and Rashi brings, Rashi, uh, brings her, expands uh, on it a little bit. Moshe says, I, he said, Rashi brings the example. He said, it's like if you... I guess what was the, the precursor to a used, lot, a used car salesman, right? Somebody wants to buy a donkey from a person. And, and, I, and, they, and so the seller says, the buyer says to the seller, right? Can I take it for a test ride? And the seller says, for sure. And then the, the, seller's, the buyer says, can I take it on mountains? Sure. Can I take it on rocky terrain? Sure. So then Moshe, said, Moshe says, I thought that because you would see that I was so confident in should we send spies and we should do this and we should go, can we go here, can we do this? Then you'd say, okay, fine, I trust you, God. But that isn't actually what happened. They actually said, like, let's do it, let's go through it. And, and one of the things that Rashi brings out and over here, which is, in it, which is why I think it's such a fabulous thing that we're finishing, we're not saying the word, but like for the, our class together right now, we're on Chomsh Devarim. <laughs> We're on Chomsh Devarim. Because it's very interesting, because the Mepharshim tell us that when Moshe said to Hashem, God, this is what the Jewish people want. What should we do? You know what Hashem said to him? Do whatever you want. Huh? <laughs> Don't you do with it? Well, basically, you deal with it, exactly. Hashem says, do whatever you want. Now, I gotta tell you, if, some, if I got an answer like that, I, would I wouldn't have done it. I would have been terrified. Exactly. Like, do whatever you want. Uh, okay. No, guys, we can't do this, right? But Moshe was excited when he got that answer because he understood as they're, stand, as they're standing on the banks of going into the land of Canaan, 
they're changing their reality. Their whole desert reality, and at that point, it wasn't such a long desert reality, right? They'd been in the desert at that point for just about a, about a year and a half at that point, right? Their whole desert reality, their whole leaving Egypt situation, it was all so God-focused. Like, when you get so much revelation, where is my part in the conversation? Like, do I really want to do this? I don't know if I really want to do this, but like, you know, I remember you know, seeing a movie on, on cults a gazillion years ago, and like, they had the expression, bomb with love right? You have so much love. You're given so much revelation. You're given so much goodness from God. How do I say no? How do I say, uh, but I'm really not interested in doing this. And so when Hashem says to Moshe, do whatever you think, Moshe says, yay, transition. We're going to transition out of this very super God-centered reality. This is where we're going, right? What happens in the desert? The cloud, we're going to move with the clouds. We're going to, blah, 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 we're going to eat when God gives us a mana. Like the whole shebang, very, very God-centered. Very, and we're going to move into a space where we have to now make good choices. And Moshe's like, yay, we can do this. But we all know the end of the story. That was a bad idea. The people were not ready to go in and make good choices. They went into the land of Israel and they said, Oh my gosh, we're going to have to have our own government and plant our own food and have a relationship with God. And guys, no, 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 no. Not going to work. It's not going to work. We're not going to be able to do it. No. And what's going to interesting thing is that after Moshe passes away, in the beginning of the book of Joshua, Joshua is going to send spies to the land of Israel exactly like Moshe did. And they're going to come back and they're going to just say, this is how we have to do it. They're not going to come back and say, Nah, nah, no, we shouldn't go there. We, we shouldn't do that. No, 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 bad idea. We should stay in the desert. It would be great. We should just stay in the desert. Because that's really what the spies did the first time around. The spies came back and they said, no, no, we, we can't do it. We can't be involved in the world and have a relationship with God. The expression that was used in Parsha Shalach when they come back, they said, Eretz ochelet yoshvehi. It's a land that eats in, its inhabitants. And it wasn't just because... Rashi says they saw people who were, they saw people who were dying, and they, God was doing that to distract them, so they shouldn't see these people going around spying because like twelve people walking around would have been a little bit obvious. But Hasidus explains Eretz Ochelet Yoshehi, the land life eats us up. Consumes. It consumes us. That's a better word. Thank you. It consumes us. We could be busy doing our life all the time and not have time. Where's the time for God? You know, the, the Gemara's use the expression, if we plant when it's time to plant, and we sow when it's time to sow, and we harvest when it's time to, to, when it's time to harvest, Torah what will happen with Torah? How do we continue a relationship with God when life and routine and everything is beckoning us, and, and we have to do it? We can't just say, eh, somebody else. Will, there is no somebody else to take care of all the details. If we don't do it, it's not going to happen. So then it's, all these things that we need for our lives, really normal, good things, will consume us and will take us away from, you know, sitting and discussing God with our friends. Like, it just, that's the reality of life. And the Jews who were that first generation, they said, no, no, we can't do that. We can't do that. It's just not within our power to do that. We need to stay in a protected environment and have a relationship with God. And at the end of the day, God's like, okay, okay, that's what you want. You're not going to continue. You're not going to go into the land of Israel. You'll stay in the desert. You'll have the manna. You'll have Moses. You'll have the water from the, you know, from the Miriam's well for the next bunch of years. 
You're all going to die out in the desert. You're not going to go to the land of Israel. You don't go to the land of Israel. You're not going to the land of Israel. Your children will get the challenge of going to the land of Israel. And so here Moshe is again recounting that story and, and telling the people again, like, at the end of the day, this is like my, my kind of interpretation of, Moses, of Moshe's words based on, you know, based on a lot of chassidists that I've learned. At the end of the day, you got what you wanted. You didn't want the challenge of the land of Israel. You did not want the challenge of going into the real world. You wanted to stay in the bubble of the desert. <laughs> the bubble, the bubble. And then that's why it's the perfect parsha, you know. He said, you did, but, but at the end of the day, you were wrong. At the end of the day, you were wrong. That wasn't the right decision to make. The place of saying, we can't have a relationship with God in the real world was the wrong call. I understand that for you and where you were and what you were, had gone through, that's what you needed. But that isn't really what God wants. Because if God wanted us all to stay in, the, in a little bubble, he didn't need to create the world. He didn't need to create a world that needed perfecting and people who were imperfect doing the best that we can with the information that we have. Like, but that's really what God wants. God wants us to do the best that we can all the time in whatever situation we are. And if right now we're blessed to be in the desert, then we sit in the desert and we gather in all that information and we, we do all of that and we get to complain about whatever we want to complain about because that's what the Jews did in the desert, like, right? Um, but that's not where we're meant to stay. We're meant to take the inspiration. We're meant to take the, the, the learning and we're meant to go out to the world and to be you know, a doctor, a lawyer, a, a business person, an artist, whatever it is that we do. And to, to, to take that inspiration and spread it out to wherever it is that we're supposed to be going. And sometimes, and this is actually true of a lot of us today, our land of Israel isn't actually in the land of Israel. And the place that we need to step into, the place that we need to step into, happens to currently not be the land of Israel. And yet we need to go into that space and we need to go and bring Israel to that space. We need to come and make our lives be different because we spend time in learning, because we were immersed in Torah and immersed in, you know, I don't want to talk about people who stayed up late and having random conversations, but that's what we did. We, 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 our lives need to be different and the people around us need to be different because we were immersed in, in, in this desert of learning. And Moshe says to the people, like, yalla, you got to stay here, but that really wasn't what God's purpose was. God pur- God's purpose was that imperfect people should go into an imperfect world and make it a better place. Because otherwise, he didn't need any of us. He didn't need, he didn't need the world and the whole thing. You want everything perfect. You know, do you ever see those kids who build like a Lego thing, but then they don't let anybody touch it because they're going to move things and they're going to, you know? We, God could have done such a world, all perfect, everything thing, everybody moving exactly where they need to be, but that's not actually what he wanted. He wanted a world... We push it, do the best that we can. And that's all he asks of us. And, and so, so when we say, and a lot of the partials are going to talk about this. And one of the things that's, that I want to, so that's one thing I want to say. First thing I want to give us all a bracha. That as we step into our place of Eretz Yisrael, wherever on the globe Eretz Yisrael might be for us now, that we go and we make a difference. And we, we are different here. And then it affects everything else. Because if we, if, if, the change that we started to, you know, the change that we started to, to bring on um, 
needs to still be nourished. It's not solid. It's fine. We're all in a process of growth, and that's great. But really, we should be different because we spend time in learning. So that's my first bracha. Wherever Eretz Yisrael, and some of us are lucky that the Eretz Yisrael is actually in Eretz Yisrael. So that's very nice. Um, but for most, for most people, that's, that's not going to be right now. That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is um, at the beginning of the, the, beginning of the Parsha, um, it gives us, a, Moshe basically is going to very subtly give, um, he's going to give a lot of rebuke to the people without actually saying anything to them. And the first Pasuk that has all different kinds of coordinates and what's going on and where they were, some of the places actually exist, some of the places don't actually get, exist. I want to highlight one of the things that we have over here. Okay, so, uh, so the, pus- the Chumash is going to start off that these are the words that uh, these are the words that Moshe said to all the Jewish people. Pasukah, go back. Ela hadvar Moshe. These are the th- right. That's that's what, I just complicated the situation. Dvarim and Diber have the same root, but they don't actually mean the same thing. Everyone's <laughs> like, don't give me another Hebrew lesson, right? Right. What's the difference between Dvarim and Diber? Huh? Diber is to speak. And varim are things. Huh? It's right there. It's in the Chumash. Okay? These are the things that Moshe spoke. And we see that they share the same root. Which means when things share the same root, they are connected. They're connected. And one of the things that Moshe is going to talk about is that, and I think this is like in the, the Bali Musr, the, the people who, who that line of thinking, of Musr thinking, Look at Chumash Devarim and, and say, like, of course this is during the three weeks because our words create reality. The things, these are the things that we create with our speech. And that is why we have to be, we're so careful about our speech. And especially, you know, like now we're always talking about, we're having, I was having this argument with somebody. I don't remember who I was having this argument with. Oh, not a student. It was another I actually do things out of my nose, believe it or not. Um, and we're having this shit, and she was saying, like, it's so crazy, all these people, and during the nine days, they're so careful, and da 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 and then the nine days are over, and they're back to being, like, you know, mean and snarky to everybody, and, like, it's not so special. And, and the truth is that she's right. Like, the place that, if we were to realize that our, re, our words create reality, we would be a lot more careful with our words. We would be a lot more careful. We see it, we see it you know, when we light Shabbos candles... We create Shabbos. We change the time from some time from a time that is regular and normal to a space that is holy and things that we're, we're not allowed to do certain things. If I benched lift already, if I already lit candles, I can't now flick on the lights. Like it's Shabbos for me. Like you don't like it was. What did I do? Oh no, I fell into the lights. <laughs> oh. Yes, yeah, so, or you have somebody who didn't bend, who didn't light candles yet, right? My point is that what did we do? We could say nothing, but we really could say everything. Because our words are so, 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 so powerful, and it actually changes reality. You know, we know we talk about, like, when we were growing up, I don't know if you had this, I don't know who had this, they used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but wor- words will never harm me. And we know this is actually not true. Is momish not true? <laughs> like, a lot of the bullying that goes on is just words. And it's, it creates a reality that is real and painful, and here we are, coming to the end of the three weeks, and I think that it is something that we need to think about. How do we transition this out? And how do we make this, how do we take this being careful with our speech? Because we are 
creating realities all the time with our words. We'd like to say, oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't anything, I was only kidding, but, but it's not really true. So that's the end of my little rebuke for today. Um, that was one thing I wanted to say. The other thing that I wanted to say is at the end of this verse, it talks about places that, and Rashi says these places don't actually exist. They're not actually, they're not actually, uh, they're not actually found on a map. That was what I was trying to say, but I couldn't remember the words. So the beginning, there are places that exist. And the last thing that we have in this verse is the Dizahav, a place called Dizahav, too much, too much gold. And um, again, the volume to talk about the idea that we summed Dizahav, which means too much gold, and Rashi says that it refers to the golden calf that was made because it had an excess of gold. So, uh, why, did, why did they have an excess of gold? Because they left Egypt with a ton of gold. So yeah, but now the question is, and now what do we do with it, right? So, so, so the Bali Muslim are saying that first of all, that, that Moshe's bri- is bringing, uh, he's, how do you say he's, he's like finding a mitigating factor for the Jewish people. Like God, it's not their fault that they made the golden calf. It's your fault because you gave them too much gold, right? They had too much gold and therefore they ended up like, well, we're going to do when, the, uh, when, it, when there was something to do with it, then but the other thing that I think is very important, and it's not, because you were talking about the Instagram before we, before we started, what do we surround ourselves with? What do we have in excess? And then are we saying, oh, but I messed up because I had too much of it, but, but I put myself in the position to have too much of it. Again, like I say, we were, we were talking about Instagram before. Here was a situation where the Jewish people had so much gold, right? Amber's like, what do they need so much gold? They took it out of Egypt, and in the end, they're actually going to use that gold, and they're going to build a home for God, right? Um, the Talmud tells us that gold was only created to build a home for God, and everything else that we use for it is only spin-off, or spill-off, not spin-off, spill-off. Okay, but it was actually created to build a home for God. And, and when we surround ourselves with something that we have so much of, we should be careful what it is that we surround ourselves with, meaning... How do we choose the places and the things that we are involved with? Because afterwards, when we say, oh, but it just happened, how much of it was in my control? Um, and that's the end of my second little bit of Musser. We should first of all be blessed with lots and lots and lots of good things and all kinds of abundant wealth and health and all the things that we need to, to serve Hashem easily. And we should also have the wisdom to know how to use the stuff that Hashem is going to give us. Mm-hmm. So that's my, my second kind of bracha situation over here. The last thing that I want to talk about, um, so Chomish Devarim, we didn't talk about, okay, we're, we're, I'm, going to, I'm going to put it together. Chomish uh, Devarim is always read either the Shabbos of Tisha B'av like it is this week, or the Shabbos before Tisha B'av, okay? And one of the, one of the things one of the things that we have, we know we have something called the Haftorah. We have a, a, a reading from the, the prophets uh, afterwards. And the reading for Parshas Devarim is called Chazon Yeshayahu. There is a vision that, is, that Yeshayahu has about the temple, about the third temple. And the whole Haftorah is about the building of the, new, of, of the third temple. And it's connected to the, it's connected to the three-week period, blah, blah, blah. Next week, we're going to start with the good, comforting, they're called the comforting Haftorahs, but this is the, the where we have this conversation, the Haftorah is talking about uh, the building of the, of the Beis HaMikdash. And Rebbe Yitzchak Barditchov tells us that, um, that what, 
he gives an example. He says, there was a, ch- a father who had a child, and he made him a beautiful set of clothing, and the child ruined the clothing. So the father made another set of clothing, and the child gave it to the child, and the child ruined the set of clothing. So then the father made a third set of clothing and didn't give it to the child and said, when you're old enough and mature enough to handle this, you could get this. But every so often, the father would take the clothing out and show it to the child. And Rebbe Yitzchuk tells us that that is what happens with the temple. That we had, we had Bayit Rishon, we had the first temple, and it got destroyed. And then we had a second temple, and that got destroyed. And so Rebbe Yitzchuk says that every Shabbos Chazon, when we talk about this vision, Yishayahu gives us the vision of the Beis HaMikdash, he says there is a place that we are shown the Beis HaMikdash. And, and Hashem says, when you're ready, I'm going to give it to you. So, so Chazon wants to know, like, okay, that's very interesting. Great. But um, what's the point of seeing something that you don't actually know that you saw? Like, how does it make a difference if I see it, but I never, I don't know. I want to just say, if any of you actually see a vision of the Beis HaMikdash this Shabbos, we have good medication for you. I see a vision of the Beis HaMikdash, you're going to be like, give me medication. You're like, right? Um, uh, by the way, there's a real syndrome called the Jerusalem syndrome. You know Is that. Yeah, there's a real syndrome of people who come to Jerusalem and they think they're the Messiah. It's, it's, it's a real, it's actually a... a um, it's, a real medical, it's a real medical condition and we actually have to get people out of Jerusalem it's like it's not, not kidding when I say this stuff um, uh, so, so like, like, what's the point of seeing something that you don't that you don't you know but you don't see it like we're shown it but we don't actually see it like you know it's not going to make a difference to us so much and, and Hasidus talks about the idea that just like we sometimes behave in a way that we say, oh, that wasn't me. We do something and we're like, oh, that wasn't really me. And when you, you're rude to your sibling or your friend or something, you're like, oh my gosh, that, was, that just wasn't me. I don't know what happened. Nobody's like, really? Like, how did that? <laughs> what, do you, what does that mean? Everybody understands that sometimes we do things and we, we, we aren't really our true self. And Chassidus explains that that's true for the negative, how much more so is it true for the positive, that when we are shown something, even if we can't actually see it, it has an effect on us. And it's, it's a place of, it, it could be and it should be, a place of inspiration. And sometimes we are randomly inspired to do good things. And, and, and Rebbe Yitzchak is saying, Rebbe Yitzchak says it's coming from having seen that vision of, of the Beis HaMikdash that we are actually able to get close to and, you know, inspire us to do better and to, to, yeah, that word, whatever that word was. I feel like it's like if you don't bring it to your thought, like it's not like every day of a second like there's life, but I'm saying like if you don't bring it, like it becomes this very far away thought and it's something that you need to keep like with you, like. Right, so, so I want to, I want to, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I want to, I want to say something. I think I think that that really basic English is very far away from us. But if we could say, how could it inspire me to be a better person today? Meaning, if we're going to wait for the basic English and then we're going to be better people and then we're going to be nicer people and then we're going to be kinder people, then we miss the boat. Right. 
Like that wasn't the point of it. And I think like during this, this, this three week period where we're sort of focused on remembering the Beis HaMikdash and thinking about it, it's not just, because practically speaking, like we're not going up the Temple Mount and building it by yourself. Like that's like a really good way to start a war. We're not doing that. But, um, but, uh, but to remind ourselves of the consciousness of how do we want to live? We, if we want to live in a, in a temple reality, it means that we're kind and forgiving and good and all those things that are actually are in our control. You know, those, those things, and I think you're right. Reminding ourselves of that conversation, the temple conversation, is also to remind ourselves, and how do I behave today? And how do I, how do I make a difference today? Because that I could control, even if I can't actually build a temple today. Um, okay, last thought. Last coherent thought for right now. <laughs> One second. Um, so, and, so here we are. Chomish Tavarim is being said by Moshe. We said Moshe speaks, and it's like God is speaking. Okay? But really, Chomish Tavarim is also that place of transitioning from direct Hashem transmission to the oral Torah that we're going to be living with for the next thousands of years of having our voice in Torah. And Moshe is, this Chomish is actually a bridge for all of us to say, how do we find our voice in Torah? How do we find our space in Torah? Now Moshe, his voice, while it was his voice, it was also God's voice. So his, that's why his voice gets to be included in the five books of Moses. We don't say four plus one or four, you know, four and a bit, like four, but, right? We don't say that. It's called the five books of Moses. They all have the holiness. We don't say, oh, if half, if that side of the Torah scroll falls down, like, it's not a problem. No, no, no. It's, it's all part of the same thing. And that is because Moshe as a person was the, what? He was like the least connected to reality or like physicality of any person that ever is going to live. Right? We know the stories about Moshe. Moshe goes up to get the Torah. He stays there for 40 days or 40 nights. And they're like, what did he eat? He didn't. He was in aim. He was in heaven. He was doing. He was behaving like the angels. We don't do that. We have like one tissue bottle. We're like, oh my god, uh, I can't deal. I, I, get me, get me something to drink or tea, right? We're, that's not who we are. Moshe is, is as a person and as a leader, and that's why he remains our leader forever. He's a bridge between heaven and earth. There is a part of him that's extremely heavenly, and there's a part of, of him that's very physical. He's a person, he had a wife, he had children, he was born, he died. Like, all of those things are true. Um, and yet, the words that he said on his own, God's like, oh yeah, that's how I would have said it. And therefore, that is the bridge for us to go and to continue learning and to continue into... You know, here we are stepping into a space where we don't have organized classes going on. And, and really, 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 Dvarim is our bridge to take us to wherever we are and to say, how are we going to continue learning? How are we going to find our voice in Torah? How are we going to hear ourselves in Torah? And Moshe is going to spend the next 37 days empowering all of us um, with the how to do it properly and how to trust Hashem and how to, you know, be present and how to be able to see the reality for how Hashem wants to see the reality. And I want to give us all a bracha that as we step into the next stage of our journey, that we continue to have pr- 
practical things of learning that we're going to incorporate so that we hold on to the place of learning and inspiration because it, it's not just, it's nothing is happenstance. And the two things that this parsha for sure is telling us, A, is that the story continues and we are part of the continuing story and we have to find our voice in Torah and we have to find our voice in learning. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, and this is my take on the spies, is not to be afraid of the challenge that Hashem gives us. Because the spies looked at the land of Israel and they said, it's too much for us. We can't do that. We're going to just hide out here in the desert. And so I want to give us a bracha for clarity and for courage to know what it is that we need to do and to have the courage to step into that space. Because if it's something that we have to do, if it's in our path and we need to cross it in order to go to wherever it is that it is, that we need to go, that didn't make sense, we have the ability to do it. And so I want to give us all a bracha, A, to stay connected, A, to stay learning, A, to stay in touch, A, B, C, whatever. They're all A's. They're all A's. They're all A's. But really, really, really to not be afraid and to step into our space as Jewish women in 2022 with our heads high and our spine straight and our knowledge saying this is what I know and this is where I still need to grow and this is where I still need to, to grow and to find our voice in Torah. Have an awesome rest of the day. This has been an absolute pleasure learning together. So good luck.